episode 13, lucky number 13, of Glass City Game Time, one of America's great sports podcasts, brought to you by The Blade. My name is Corey Chris, and thanks for listening to this episode number 13. Today, a special edition, if you will, the Battle of I-75, Bowling Green at Toledo Men's Basketball Edition, coming this Saturday at 7 p.m., from Savage Arena at UT, and joining me to talk about that game, and we'll talk a little bit about the women's edition from this past weekend. Sitting to my immediate left is Bowling Green writer Nick Petrovich. Howdy. Howdy. How you been, Nick? Been a while. Um, it, I'm great. I, I only get the I get the quarterly invite. It's like a it's like a tax summons. Some people are welcoming those in. Some people are trying to deter those away. So interpret that how you will. Okay. But joining us, I believe, for the first time yep. on Glass City Game Time, it's Toledo beat writer Brian Bucky. Hey, Corey. How's it going? Brian, I'm great. How are you is the question. I'm good. Good. Yeah. Technical producer Phil Kaplan, his microphone fell off the hinges, literally, as we walked into the studio. And he's wearing a very dapper jacket today. Doing the T-pose. Hold T-bar. on. I'm going to fix this. Gentlemen, how's that? Wow, he lied. He Crystal he gave me clear. the he gave me the finger like the mom finger, <laughs> like the point, <laughs> and then he came back in and did that. That was wonderful. Hi, Phil. Hi, Nick. We 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 bring you in quarterly because we don't want to give the people too much of your of your gold. You don't want to yeah. you don't want to oversaturate them. You know, too much of a good thing can sometimes be a bad thing, right? So in this case, we'll give you those compliments. We will compliment the matchup that is going to take place at Savage Arena this Saturday. Bowling Green at Toledo again, 7 p.m. from UT. Bowling Green in their previous game, 62-59, to a home winner against Eastern Michigan. UT, an 83-74 to winner at Ohio. Nick, I'll start with you. Bowling Green, 14-5, 5-1 in the MAC. Justin Turner, since he's come back, he's still leading the team in scoring at just a shade under 17 points a game. And, well, we had a, a fill-in with Trey Diggs, and he did a serviceable job for the Falcons. We'll get to him in a second. But just Turner's return in general, how has that impacted this team? And now they're really starting to pick things up here. Again, 5-1 and one in conference play. Well, I mean, getting your best player back, always a big deal. He's he's a little bit different case just because he is their leading scorer, but he's not what they solely rely upon. But I will say the biggest difference for him, when they get in an end game situation and they know who's getting the ball uh, and they know he can probably get you a bucket, that's a huge deal. And they won, they've won four out of their five past games have been one-score games. Last night's game, he scored six out of the final eight points, hits two clutch free throws. Um, in, the, in the last five minutes especially, he completely um, just heat up for 18 points in the second half. When you have a guy like that that can just change a game by himself, that's a huge deal. Well, they're able to work inside and out. Turner on the outside, and then Daquan Plowden on the inside, averaging 13-8 and eight per game. And I believe you wrote earlier in the year, he's starting to rise a little bit as a MAC Player of the Year candidate. Yeah, I mean, he was a bench guy last year. They were 4-4 four and four in the MAC. They got picked finished last in the league, and they made they kind of had this big come-to-Jesus meeting because things were not going well. And one of the things that came out of that is that Plowden was a, became a starter. And I thought for him, the light bulb really came on in the MAC tournament where he was super aggressive. He started to find the three-point shot. But he's just improved so drastically where they needed him to be a better rebounder. They needed him to be a better shooter. They needed him to be a little bit stronger. And it felt like 
his Huger told me it felt like his was almost overnight to the point where he played so well in the MAC tournament that pro scouts were starting to ask about him, and he is now in a position where he's going to have a really really good case to be all MAC. And you got to look at the presence of Trey Diggs as well off the bench, subbing in for Turner when Turner was injured for those six games. Diggs is the leading bench scorer for Bowling Green at 7.4 points per game. Yeah, the most important thing is he's shooting threes pretty well, which was his biggest reason for being added to this team. And they've really, really needed it because as weird as it is to say for a team that's 14-5, and five, they haven't played their best game. And I don't think particularly close to their best game. And they've been a poor three-point shooting team, which is weird because they have, you know, Turner and Fry are both shooting way under their averages for last year. They're under a third of their threes right now, um, and Diggs has been by far their best guy from behind the arc. Has Diggs really solidified that back into uh, Coach's lineup? I don't think they're going to change, but you can look at them two ways. One is that they will eventually come back to their averages, which last year I think they finished, they were about 35% from three, which is good, not great. Um, If they're back there, you feel pretty good about it. The thing for me that I look at that's the biggest red flag is free throw rate, which is free throws divided by your total field goal attempts. And their free throw rate is like 11% lower than their opponents, which tells you that they're not going to the line anywhere near enough. And I always tell people, look, there's a reason James Harden scores 18 points and not 17. You need to have to have players that can go to the line regularly. And that's, if you're asking me today, what is my biggest concern? It's that. Then on the other hand, Bowling Green did come away with that win against Eastern Michigan, 62-59, a narrow win against the Eastern Michigan team that's floating around 500. But you can't deny how important it, it, it likely is to get that win going home into this battle and this rivalry against Toledo. Yeah, they're 6-0 in one-score game, so you have to give them credit for that. Um, now the schedule gets fun. They have Toledo twice, they have Buffalo twice, they have Akron twice, they have Ball State twice. They still have to go to still have to go to Kent, and they still have to go to Central Michigan. I believe um, I believe on Ken Palm they're only favored to win two more games out of twelve. Oof. So if they can get through these next twelve, I pick them to go seven and five. That might be a little optimistic. If they go seven and five, they're probably in by territory, which is the top four teams in the league. But I, if they're really really struggling shooting the ball, and they have been. It's going to be really hard to beat some of these teams. We'll get into NCAA tournament, broad tournament talk down the road here in this podcast. But, Brian, I want to bring you in here because UT is 11-8 and and 3-3 and in the MAC. They're coming off a win as well, again, 83-74 at Ohio. In fact, they came off with a big win on January 18th, a 99-89 winner over Akron. I mean, as of late, their play has really elevated, and you can see that Marion Jackson, 18.2 per game, and he scored 29 in that win against Ohio. Yeah, he's been pretty brilliant um, lately, especially at, I think, 36 in the win um, at Akron, and he's just been playing really well. He's been making good decisions. He's one of the, I think, he's second in assists in the league, so it's not only his shooting, which has really improved. He's um, He's really been effective from three. He's a pretty high volume three point shooter, but he's 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 been making more and taking you know better shots. So uh, his upswing is kind of correlated with you know the team's upswing for sure. Yeah, Marion in that game against Akron, thirty six points and five assists, and meanwhile Willie Jackson twenty three points, twelve rebounds. So really, UT's finding ways to get it done inside and out, much like Bowling Green sort of is. Yeah, absolutely. Willie's just a rebounding machine. Um, you don't even really realize it, and then you look at the 
you know, the stat sheet and he's got, you know, 12 rebounds, 14 rebounds, and it's just um, consistent, you know, all through the, through the year. Um, he's been able to do that. And then, you know, their center, Luke Kanapke, has is, is really developed as well. He's just um, gotten to be a really big um, threat from the outside. He's hitting some threes on pick and pops with Marion Jackson. Um, he's finishing inside. He's blocking a lot of shots. So I think those three are really, really carrying uh, Toledo right now because they're not a deep team. And getting that win over Akron, I think it's more important than maybe the paper might suggest. Not our paper, of course, but paper in general. Akron was 14-3 and entering that game. And now they're sitting at 15-4, one of the stronger teams in the MAC. And, I mean, that's just one of those confidence-building games, especially as Nick attested to the Bowling Greens coming up uh, schedule in the MAC. Toledo has a tough one as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just when you thought Toledo was on a, on a downswing, they're one in three. They had just lost at home to Central Michigan in a, in a rough game, and they go and you know beat Akron, who's a really good team. Like you said, I think their three losses were to West Virginia. Um, and one was Liberty, who's a really good team, and the other I think was Louisville. So they, I mean, they're a really good team. They're um, uh, the top team in the MAC and all the metrics, Ken Palm, Net, all that. So to win on the road there was really essential for the confidence. They really needed a win, but to get a win as good as that really helped them out. And UT is a much better team at home. They are on the road, as evidenced by records, six and two at home, five and six on the road. And to me, maybe it's a, a closer game. You know, if it was at Bowling Green, let's say it'd still be a home-ish game. But I feel like it's important that this game's being played at Toledo. Yeah, they'll have to take advantage of that, take advantage of the, the, the home court um, edge. Like you said, they've been better at home. And they lost, they've lost a couple of tough games um, at home, I think Central Michigan being one of them. But, uh, yeah, it'll definitely help. And then I think a few weeks later they'll have to go back to, to Bowling Green and for the return game. And then in their most recent win against Ohio, Keyshawn Saunders off the bench had 10 points. And when you look at some of the box scores that Toledo in their games, they've only played really an eight-man rotation. Has Saunders really been that key bench player for them? Yeah, absolutely. He's really the, the only bench player they have that can really um, contribute scoring-wise. Um, you know, the other guys, TJ Smith, Luke Baranka, are both really young. They can give give you some defense, give you some you know, passing, but they're not, they don't look to score. So mm-hmm. when uh, Saunders can give you, you know, 10, 15 points off the bench, that's just huge for them. And then looking at the women's game before we move on here, Toledo won the women's edition on on January 18th. That was last Saturday, 79-72 in overtime. It was a big crowd. UT's eighth win in a row over Bowling Green. Tons of clutch plays made on either side. And towards the end there, it was just Toledo that made the big plays down the stretch. Yeah, it was a really fun game. It was a really intense rivalry game. The crowd was into it. BG had some fans at Savage Arena. It was back and forth. You know, lead changes late. And, yeah, like you said, the seniors for Toledo, Mariella Santucci and Sarah Rokinen, um, stepped up and made made big plays when they were needed. And, um, you know, Bowling Green got a really good effort. Um, you know, they've been they've been down this, this year. I think they were 0-5 after that loss. But they've been really close and kind of – um, on the cusp of breaking through. So it was, it was just a really good atmosphere, really good game. So the men's version this Saturday at Savage Arena at UT at 7 p.m. Let's get into some predictions here, boys. Nick, how does Bowling Green come away with this win at Toledo? they got to start hitting shots. I mean, if they think they can go and score 64 points and kind of grit this out, I, I don't think that can happen in this game. I think if they can hit threes and if they can – turn their transition or turn defensive rebounds into transition 
that all that's always a big deal for them in particular but especially in this Toledo's got a seven man rotation I think if they can get out and run that's really really going to hurt what Toledo can do defensively so those are the two things that I'm really watching Brian what about for you for Toledo where are their keys yeah we talked about the big three with Marion and Willie Jackson and Luke Knapke they need either Spencer Littleson or Dylan Alderson to really you know provide some scoring and and give them give them kind of a boost to those big three um and like they're they're going to play heavy minutes, so they just have to be ready for that and try to slow, like Nick said, you know, slow Bowling Green down if they're looking to get in transition and make this a you know a track meet type game where Toledo could tire out or get tired by the end of the game. I want to play a little game here. We started this a few weeks ago, so Nick, this is privy to you a little bit. It's a, a la buy or sell. We call it likes or dislikes. Basically, it's a topic, and we we discuss whether we like that or we dislike that. Facebook still needs a dislike button. I'm for believer on that. Like or dislike, boys, one of Toledo or Bowling Green will make the NCAA tournament. Uh, dislike. I think just the just because of the way the MAC is this year is so crazy, even for this particular league, where I can probably sit here and make a case for seven or eight teams making a run. I, the MAC tournament is just such a minefield, and as both teams are constructed right now, I, you can make. It's so tough to say that they're going to go beat three other teams in the MAC back to back to back. Are they in the mix of that seven or eight? I think they are both in the mix, yeah. But as of now, I don't, I don't know that I would put BG is tied for first, but I don't know that I would put either one in my top three. Brian, yeah, I'm going to dislike as well. Um, I really like Akron. I really like Kent State from what I've seen of them. Um, but you know, Toledo or Bowling Green could get hot and win three games. They both definitely have the potential, but. If you're guessing or, or picking a um, kind of odds, I guess, I would say dislike to that. And I would, I would probably pick um, Akron or Kent State. Fair enough. Phil, what say you? You got confidence in, in uh, UT or BG? I have confidence that the I-75 rivalry, as Nick pointed out, is 20 miles locally. But that the victor does claim the in, in, his, in his reign of territory, the victor gets... 1,786 miles to their credit. <laughs> Mackinac to Key so West, is, it's all yours, baby. <laughs> so I don't think that the tournament is in the future of the Falcons or the Rockets, but 1,786 <laughs> miles of pavement from Sault Ste. Marie down to, the, down to uh, Miami, Florida can be there, so there's still a lot to play for. Well, you season. want to talk about polar opposites. You know, Toledo and Bowling Green, both vacation destinations, just like <laughs> Miami, of course. That's a long stretch of road to state claim to for just one football or basketball game. Do we have a final score prediction for this weekend, gentlemen? I think um, I think it's going to stay close. I think it's going to come down to the end, but I'll take um, I'll take Toledo by four. I'm going to say seventy five seventy one. Brian, I'll take uh, BG seventy seven seventy two. So within... forgive me. Wait, forgive me. Where is it being played? Savage. Is it savage. At savage? savage. I'm going to go sixty two fifty eight. I'm taking the Falcons. You're taking low scoring. In that one. Yeah. But the consensus here is that it's going to be a relatively close game. Five or six or seven points uh, regarding each side. Gentlemen, thanks for the time. Nick, Brian, we appreciate the expertise. We look forward to your coverage this weekend. But we will bring Scott McNeish in the room shortly here to do an editor's perspective. We'll, we'll get Scott's take on how he thinks Saturday's game between Toledo and Bowling Green will play out. You're listening to Glass City Game Time.
All right, wrapping up here on Glass City Game Time, and joining me for the editor's perspective segment, as he does each show, is Blade Sports editor Scott McNeish. Hello. I was thinking on my long drive home after last week's show Mm -hmm. that when you introduced me, I said, hey, now, and that is straight Howard Stern, and I am not at that level, so I don't feel comfortable doing that ever again. So from now on, I'm just going to say, now, hey. Now, hey. (laughs) Does it? Okay, that's good. I was going to see if you wanted to workshop some of those like while we're here, but if you got one that you settled on, did you practice them on your drive home? I will not confirm nor deny that I practiced that okay, on the way home what sounds sharp. or any other time. It sounds sharp. We'll leave it. I appreciate that. He didn't go home and talk to his infant child. Hey, now. That's how serious I take this. <laughs> I, I took it so seriously that I botched the first rejoin and re-recorded it. And nobody is going to hear it. That's in the DVD extras. Yeah, you have to you have to purchase the platinum edition of the podcast of the free podcast that's already out there. Please subscribe, by the way. We'll get we'll get to those details later on in the show. But Scott, this weekend at Savage Arena at UT is the basketball men's basketball edition of the Battle of I seventy five Bowling Green at Toledo Saturday seven p.m. and just a simple, broad discussion of the game here. You know, Bowling Green coming off a win, Toledo coming off a win, Bowling Green at fourteen and fourteen and five, Toledo at eleven and eight. Relatively similar records, a couple games apart. But simply ask, how do you see this game shaking out? Yeah, I think it's going to be a good one. If you would have looked at this maybe a week ago, week and a half ago, Toledo looked like they might be in trouble, but. Them beating Akron just like, changes everything, and and them getting that win over Ohio at Ohio, just this seems like they've have found something that's going to work, and, and they found it at a very good time because they're going to face a team in BG that had a really fun win to watch last night. Um, not just because of the dunk, but uh, mostly because no, I'm just kidding. But uh, it had a lot to do with uh, with Justin Turner. He's playing fantastic. So I think you have two teams that have maybe not lived up to the crazy high expectations coming into the season but they've been really good and you have two teams they're going to clash and they're going to be really good so because it's at savage arena i think i'm going to give them a very slight edge so i would if i had to guess i would say ut by one possession see and both brian and nick picked it relatively close as well within about five to seven points of, of each other it's it's going to be a close one we could project but you look at Toledo at home, 6-2 and two at home versus 5-6 and six on the road. Meanwhile, Bowling Green, they've played and beaten some tough opponents themselves. So you have to look in terms of seeding for the MAC tournament. You have to look in terms of all kinds of things. A road win for Bowling Green in this circumstance I think means a little bit more than maybe any other road win just because of the rivalry. What say you? Yeah, I would say I would say the exact same thing. This, is, this would be huge for them because... Even last year, when they had this huge turnaround year and they were picked last and ended up going to the MAC tournament, they still lost to Toledo. <laughs> so I think from that perspective, I think this would be a huge win for BG moving forward, especially doing it on the road. They do play again, but from a, comp- uh, a confidence perspective, because the MAC is crazy. So both teams after this game are going to have crazy schedules. The one that comes out of here with confidence might be the one that gets the one or two seed in the MAC. On a confidence level, you talked about the Akron matchup, and that was a big point of emphasis that Brian brought up, was that Toledo winning uh, a few days ago against Akron at Akron is kind of a big deal. And really, there are several teams in this conference that could 
realistically win it. And when you have those confidence-building wins, like at Akron, that puts you maybe a peg or two higher than maybe most would have you. I think so. If you look at all the uh, the bracketology out there, it's it's Akron across the board. So for UT to pull off that win at their place, I think is a is a game changer for the conference, not just UT or just Akron, but I think for the conference in general because now it you really can say anybody can beat anybody. And that sounds cliche, and you hear that all the time. This conference is tough. I think that's legit this year that that maybe 11 teams could actually win the conference tournament and get to March Madness. Well, for either team, two of the next five games, this is the matchup, Toledo and Bowling Green. They will reconvene February 8th at Bowling Green. Right now, looking at Bowling Green's schedule, they got at Toledo, then they host Ball State, who's no slouch at all, and then at Buffalo which is going to be a really intriguing matchup. So Bowling Green has a relatively tough road ahead of them. Yeah, yeah, they do. And and I think if they're able to to get this win over Toledo, that is going to be a potentially season-changing victory moving forward because then you have all the confidence uh, going into some of those matchups. Now, if they lose, they can still get things in the position where everyone thought they would be at the beginning of the year but I think they would much rather have a rivalry win over Toledo. By the way, Bowling Green plays Akron twice still. Right. So start it now, win Saturday, <laughs> then maybe get the ball rolling. Who knows what can actually happen uh, for the Falcons. And as for the Rockets, they're playing much better as of late. Again, the win over Akron is a big point of emphasis, but you can't forget Marion Jackson's play. You can't forget about just what Todd Kowalczyk's done overall in changing the scheme and getting them more active and getting them to play at a faster pace, and you see it as evidenced by Jackson scoring 18 a game. Yeah, there's been some common denominators the last couple of games, hasn't there? Um, mm-hmm. And they, they went from that, that slump where everyone was saying what was going on, and then they, they've been able to get out of it, and, and those guys are a huge reason why. So they've been able to figure it out, and I think uh, an experienced group like them with an experienced coaching staff, they're going to figure this thing out, and they're going to be very tough to beat on Saturday. So Scott has it as a one-possession game then. I'll say, I'll say UT by two. That would would that technically be an upset in today's spectrum? God, I don't know. Closely close records. It's a home game for Toledo. Rivalry. I would say that if if UT wins at this juncture in the season, that feels like an upset. I would say just, that just in terms of feel right now, you could get two weeks past it, and you know UT could totally be on the ascension, and, and BG could trip up, and, and something else would be revealed, but. I'll buy that. Mm-hmm. I'll buy that too. With with BG being fourteen and five, UT has eight losses. Uh, BG has Justin Turner, probably the best player in the conference. Plus Plowden, who's on Sports Center today, <laughs> he's playing great. Um, yeah, I would say that BG is probably the favorite. But I still like UT at home. We'll find out this Saturday. Scott, thanks for the time. You're welcome. Any final thought? Now, hey. Now, hey. <laughs> we'll work on that. Like, hey, we'll work on that. I try to do just a general hello. It doesn't work usually, but sometimes it does. It might might fly in. Phil, any final thought today? I'm gonna work. I'm gonna work. I'm gonna work on my own uh, branded salutation. Mm-hmm. It's something between uh, "Hey oh, now hey, hey now." It'll it'll probably be a good ten seconds. If you whatever listen- my my when I you introduce me, I'm gonna have a ten second kind of like. I'll probably bring in an instrument. <laughs> I was going to say, if you listen to a good portion of 90s, like, hip-hop-ish songs, or okay, maybe, a couple, done that. maybe a couple rap tracks, if you just go back and reflect on some of those, you could maybe formulate something. 
lot of skit, lot of on old '90s hip hop, a lot of skits, and then there always used to be an instrumental, just like drum and bass track. I really mm-hmm. missed that. That was always nice with extra snare added just for effect. Sure, we'll work on that. Maybe we'll maybe we'll find one of those '90s classic R and B tracks and just have it placed in underneath. I got one picked. Tone Loke, last song <laughs> on Loked After Dark. Perfect. <laughs> Who was the go-to '90s group for you? R and B or rap? Tribe Called Quest, Beastie Boys, Absolutely. sort of hand in hand for me. '90s, mm. and then like Wu Tang, heavy Wu Tang. After that, that's fair. Scott, were you a hip hop? Uh, no, I'd go In Sync, Backstreet Boys, and then everybody else <laughs> goes goes straight for the boy bands. In Sync, Backstreet Boys versus the world. <laughs> Thanks, those of you at home, for listening in and to our '90s R and B. Tweet us what your favorite '90s hip-hop and r&b group is we Was will that still part of the like dislike segment the <laughs> 90s hip-hop and r&b well we can maybe get into that another show because we have currently de facto booked a miscellaneous show with music and video games and movies and all this other stuff that's non-sports related so well sports is pop culture entertainment that's true it is true so those of you listening you can find us on toledoblade.com and on blade news slide every week they get posted Generally speaking, Thursday mornings at 9 o'clock-ish. We try to keep it consistent there. You can also find us on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, basically wherever podcasts are found. You can search Glass City Game Time, and you will find us. Please remember to subscribe and give us a good like rating if you enjoyed the show. So, for Nick Petrovich, Brian Bucky, for Scott McNeish, and for Phil Kaplan, that's a lot of people to sign off for. My name is Corey Christen. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.